Deutsche Welle. Learning by ear. Listen up. Shape your future. Hello and welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Time in Africa. The Learning by Ear series about African history. Stay with us and find out more about colonialism. Ah, that is just not acceptable. They've only just moved here to Mbazi and already they want everything. Oh, Mr. Neighbor, calm down. Where do you want them to live? At your place? Ah. Oh, man. Don't be naive. Grandpa, why is our neighbor so angry? Philip's parents haven't done him any harm, have they? No, daughter, they haven't. Come, let's go home. I'll explain it on the way. Go on, Grandpa. There's nobody listening now. There are many people who still have problems with foreigners, mainly white people, settling here because it reminds them of colonialism. And they see a sign of neo-colonialism in any acquisition neo of... Neo-what, Grandpa? Neo-colonialism, the modern sort of colonialism. Colonialism was when many, many Europeans started coming to Africa at the end of the 19th century. They took African land and made it theirs, forming colonies and with them big empires. At the beginning of the 20th century, the Europeans had taken over 90% of African territory. Why did they do that? Don't they have coffee plants in their homelands? <laughs> no, they don't have them back home. In the last decades of the 1800s, European markets were suffering from a long economic depression, which meant business was doing very badly. And it was Africa that paid for that depression? Well, Africa offered an additional market for European products. And it was also the source of goods which were very attractive in the eyes of the Europeans. Ivory, coffee, gold, and other natural and mineral resources. I still don't understand, Grandpa. Did they send soldiers to take all that? No, daughter. The European nations sent adventurers, biologists, and geographers to explore and map the interior of Africa. Only after that did they take the goods they were looking for. By the way, that reminds me of an interesting story about what happened to Georg Swinefort, a German biologist and adventurer who traveled through Africa from 1868 to 1871. He often had his escorts talk about the existence of what they called dwarves in Central Africa, small people, skillful elephant hunters, the pygmies, until one day he had a surprise. Georg! Georg! Come out of the tent! Look whom I've brought to meet you! Good morning, Mohammed. No, 
What you bring there can only be a pygmy. He is. You've been waiting for a long time to see one, and now you have. Main court, at last. Come, bring him into the tent. I have to measure him. Come on, we cannot lose any more time. I'm going to start by drawing him. Please, sit down. <laughs> Very well. Yes. Oh, main court. I actually have him in front of me. <sighs> it's not easy to keep him quiet. He's small but really strong. I tell you, Mohammed, I am going to take one with me. I can imagine the news spreading throughout Europe. <laughs> Shaman, explorer, returns from Africa hand in hand with a pygmy. That German adventurer wasn't that bad. Was he, Grandpa? No. Swinefort was a peaceful man. But unfortunately, not all the adventurers sent to Africa were like him. That's why our neighbor is so angry then. And at that time, in the 19th century, the Europeans' thirst for land grew and grew. In 1884, the German Chancellor, Otto von Bismarck, invited the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Belgium, France, Great Britain, Italy, Portugal, Russia, and other countries for a meeting, the Berlin Conference. And there, Africa was divided up between the European nations. From Sai here in Iga to Bahua on the northeast coast of Lake Chat will run a line. The territory to the north of this line belongs from now on to France. Oh, we oui. And Britain bon. gets ah, sea south Very back. good. Indeed. The Nile Basin will be British. Mamma mia! Chancellor Bismarck, I am sorry for interrupting. But don't you think the British and the French already have enough? When does Italy get its turn? I was used coming to Italy. There is no reason for us to get upset. Oh no. Oh no. Well, these two lines here form an intersection between the Tropic of Cancer and the 17th Meridian with the 15th Parallel and 21st Meridian. Gentlemen, my suggestion is that Italy will get the part north of this line. What? They just took the map of Africa and put there some lines. Well, it wouldn't have been exactly like that, but one thing is for sure. People today still sometimes say that Africa was divided up by the Europeans with their ruler. Nobody paid attention to ethnic groups or other cultural contexts. <laughs> 
and no African country was invited to the Berlin Conference or signed anything either. Look, look here at the map. You're right, Grandpa. Here, look at Angola or Sudan. And did Germany also have colonies in Africa at the end? They had some. Togo, for instance, and Cameroon, Namibia, at that time German Southwest Africa, or German East Africa, what now are Tanzania, Burundi, and Rwanda. Ah, but at least the Germans go to the Africans. Mm. The Germans also committed their crimes. The massacre of the Herero, an ethnic group in Namibia, for example. But they were not the only ones. We just have to think about the Belgians in Congo or the Portuguese. Until the Africans got fed up with it, rioted and achieved independence. Right, Grandpa? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, that's another story I can tell you about next time. Now, go help mom. She hasn't even complained today. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the end of the eighth episode of Once Upon a Time in Africa, the Learning by Ear series about African history. You can listen to this or other Learning by Ear episodes again and write your comments about the program by visiting our website at www.dwworld.de forward slash LBE. Goodbye until next time. <laughs>